0: Let's welcome Pastor Jim Austin. This evening we're going to be continuing the Built to Last series, and we're going to be talking about the subject of anxiety and trust. And first of all, before we actually get started, how many of you believe that God is able to still touch people and heal people who are having issues with anxiety? You believe that? Good. Praise God. I do too. How many also believe that the Lord is able to help us uh, and allow our trust that we have in Him, trust in Jesus, our faith in Christ, to increase as well so that we can be touched in the area of any anxiety and we can also uh, grow in our trust of the Lord and who He is in our lives? I, um, I want to start off, since this subject is a little sobering in some areas, I want to start off uh, this evening by reading to you something that's a little humorous that goes along with anxiety, or you could say anxiety slash worry. It goes like this. For several years, a woman had been having trouble getting to sleep at night because she feared burglars. One night, her husband heard a noise in the house, so he went downstairs to investigate. When he got there, he did find a burglar. Good evening, said the man of the house. I'm pleased to see you. Come upstairs and meet my wife. She's been waiting 10 years to meet you. (laughs) Yeah, And then uh, I thought this was a good one. Every evening, it says, I turn worries over to God, He's going to be up all night anyway. Amen? If you have your Bibles, or you want to just follow on the screen, or with your uh, tablet or phone, we'll be going to Matthew chapter 6, verses 24 through 34. Matthew 6, 24 through 34 to save some time rather than to well actually it is on the screen so we'll go ahead and read uh, what's on the screen. Jesus speaks said therefore i tell you do not be anxious about your life what you will eat or what you will drink nor about your body what you will put on it is not life more than food and the body more than clothing look at the birds of the air they neither sow nor reap, nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? Notice those three things. For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Amen. Amen. In Matthew 6, 24 through 34, Jesus teaches about putting God's kingdom first and winning the inner war that we sometimes experience by anxiety trying to dominate the way we think, feel, and believe. Uh, culturally, we're a nervous wreck in America and around the world. And no one is immune. Even believers are not necessarily immune to, from times of a bit of anxiety slash worry. In these few verses that we read tonight, Jesus says to take no thought five different times. The definition of anxiety, the Greek word here in our text for thought is which means to be anxious about, to be troubled with cares, To care for or look out for a thing. Or in other words, it's another uh, definition for the word worry. Webster's Dictionary says, generally speaking, anxiety is a feeling of worry, nervousness, or unease, typically about an imminent event or something with an uncertain outcome. And there are symptoms of anxiety. A, with the whole body that's involved, you have fatigue and restlessness and headaches and sweating and so on and so forth. Behavioral, there can be hypervigilance or irritability. Hypervigilance is an increased state of vigilance and awareness that may be caused by fear and anxiety as well as certain mental health conditions. People experiencing hypervigilance typically exhibit symptoms in an attempt to avoid danger that sometimes isn't even there. How many times have we heard it said that we worry a lot of times about things that never even happen? And so we're, we're, we're expending this energy emotionally and physically and spiritually a lot of times and maybe worrying about some things that never even take place, that never even happen. I've been there in times past. Thank God I haven't been there recently for some time, but I've been there in times past. As we said in the beginning, no one is exempt or immune from anxiety, worry of some kind from time to time. With the symptom of the thoughts or the cognitive, it is racing thoughts or unwanted thoughts, the kind that keep you awake at night, and I'm not going to ask anybody to raise your hand if you've ever had those kinds of thoughts that keep you awake till three o'clock in the morning. Also, common anxiety, excessive worry, fear, feeling of impending doom, insomnia, nausea, palpitations, poor concentration, or trembling. Now, in this part of Jesus' sermon, he's not only uh, teaching us about anxiety. But he's also teaching us about trust and why we can trust him for all the things that we have need of. So if we're going to give a definition of anxiety, we must do a definition of trust, which is not that difficult, but it's a firm belief in the reliability, truth, ability, or strength of someone or something. Confidence, belief, faith, certainty, and assurance. Jesus reveals to his listeners why they don't need to be anxious but trust their Heavenly Father. As we lay this foundation, I want to discuss anxiety just a bit more and then break these verses down as to why we shouldn't be anxious slash worry. The first thing I want to mention is that not all anxiety is the same. There are everyday anxieties that we would really rather call them concerns, right? You may have been there some time. Maybe your spouse said, Honey, you're just way too worried about this. And then you say, because you want to be spiritual. No, honey, I'm not worried. I'm just concerned. And there is such thing as being concerned, but uh, it can be different than actually anxiety or worrying. We ought to all have a good kind of concern about lost souls. We ought to have a concern about Springfield, Illinois, And the loss of Springfield, Illinois, and revival breaking out in Springfield, Illinois, that's a good thing to be concerned about, but a concern that would take you to your knees in prayer, and that you would not be depressed, that you would not be uh, anxious with all these different symptoms that we just mentioned a while ago. But there are everyday anxieties, and they're listed in the green um, left column of a piece of paper uh, that you have. And I just want to read two of these, and you can take this home with you and read the others for yourself. But in the left column, the green column, down the third box, an everyday anxiety, a case of nerves or sweating before a big test, Uh, business presentation, maybe a stage performance, or some other significant event. And then all the way at the bottom, another everyday anxiety could be anxiety, sadness, or difficulty sleeping immediately after a traumatic event. Let me give you an example. The attack that took place in New York City uh, just last night, or early this morning, whenever it was, uh, there will be people that have a hard time sleeping tonight. Uh, And the people that it has touched closer than some of the others, say family members or friends that were involved, either killed or injured by this attack, uh, it'll be more difficult for them than maybe some of the others that are far removed, yet though they live in New York City, they're still far removed from the situation versus those who are really close to the person that it affected. Now, the anxiety disorders, and there's more than what we're going to look at, and we're not really going to look at anxiety disorder number one two or three or four or five because there's post-traumatic uh, stress and there's all kinds of things that fall into this category of anxiety disorders and physical situations but these are listed on the right look at the first one at the top constant and un- unsubstantiated worry that causes significant distress and interferes with daily life that's an anxiety disorder the third one down there says, seemingly out of the blue panic attacks and preoccupation with the fear of having another one. So, that's an anxiety disorder. And then there's another anxiety that I want to mention tonight because a lot of times this one is overlooked. And it's the anxiety that is caused by chronic pain. Now, I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands, but with Calvary Church running well over a 1,000 people uh, between the services here and Jefferson Street, there, have, there must be someone in the crowd, even if it's one. I have a feeling it's probably more than one. But there's probably some people at Calvary Church that are dealing with chronic pain issues. Maybe you've been dealing with them for a few months A year or two or whatever the case may be but you're dealing with chronic pain and a lot of times as I said this is something that's not talked about I can speak on this subject uh, with some some knowledge because I have dealt with chronic pain in my body uh, for five years almost come this summer it'll be five years I've been to doctors they put me on different medication nothing has helped the chronic pain now for some of you to hear me preach, sing, talk to me, uh, laugh at your funny jokes or my funny jokes, if I can think of one, um, you wouldn't think that I had chronic pain and I don't like to talk about it very much. Uh, my, my, my wife might say, well, no, no, honey, you really do talk, talk about it. Well, she thinks maybe I talk about it too much with her, but, uh, she told me to tell Pastor Paul, if she want, if he wants to talk to somebody about anxiety, instead of talking to me, he needs to go to her because she's been under a lot of anxiety because of my anxiety brought on by chronic pain. And when you live together and you're one, you know, you share uh, things, you know, you, when one hurts, the other hurts. When one's excited and, and happy, the other's the same. But when you have chronic pain, it's natural to feel anxious. But it's more in a nervous sense, okay? And when I put my hand out, it's steady, okay? I don't have the jitters. I don't have the trembles. I'm not like this with nerves. But this nervousness that, that comes about because of chronic anxiety, pain, uh, or chronic pain, is more something inside that's kind of hard to, to um, explain, other than it, it's just a kind of a churning inside of you that just doesn't want to stop, and of course, if you try to, if you dare give into it, it can it can get worse and become something uh, like those symptoms that we read a while ago. It could become this if you just focused on it a lot. And what you have to do during those times, if you're in the same situation, is you have to have a switch of thought. Your, your mind that wants to, to go toward that pain and toward that nervousness, you need to shift it in another direction. And the best help for me, the best shift I can ever can ever come up with is to put on some praise and worship music. And I mean get in my truck and turn it up loud and sing along with it, you know. Or put on my headphones. Sometimes they'll come to my office and they'll knock on the door and they'll see me in there with my headphones on. I think Paul did it about three times today. And uh, I might be listening to music or listening to a sermon or something like that. But to be able to just realize that one of the greatest stress relievers for the children of God is praise and worship. It's been documented by d- different physicians that a re- the reason a lot of Christians don't have some of the underlying physical problems that other people have is because we have a consistent prayer life, a consistent praise and worship life, a consistent devotional life. You know, reading our Bibles and 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 then listening to God as He speaks back to us. It's been proven over and over again. It's even been proven that blood pressure that is high can begin to be lowered during a Sunday morning praise and worship service. And I think that's pretty awesome because we begin to release our cares. We begin to do what the Bible says, cast our cares upon Him because He cares for us and we worship Him in spirit and truth and the Holy Spirit takes over in our life and we have a season of where we're not nervous and tense inside or anxious inside because of chronic pain. Pain might still be there, but we've shifted our focus from the pain to praising and worshiping Almighty God. That's a good shift. Now, this is really bad, this, this uh, anxiousness with chronic pain. When the pain is really severe, unpredictable, and as a consequence, your life becomes filled with uncertainty, and fears chronic pain producing anxiety can truly hamper your efforts to manage everyday responsibilities treating this anxiety with certain doctor prescribed medications can help you manage and cope with chronic pain and reduce other difficult symptoms so if a person has a problem with uh, anxiety due to chronic pain we shouldn't look down on them for getting some kind of help. Our our help, we know, comes from the Lord, and my prayer is still that God's going to heal me totally and completely. And, And praying that God would heal other people throughout Calvary Church that's dealing with different physical issues, that God would heal them totally and completely, because if He can save from the guttermost to the uttermost if he can do that greatest of all miracles of redemption in a person's life he is still the the healing balm of gilead he is still jesus christ the great physician and there's not any sickness disease or pain that he is not able to heal but we've got to believe it and we've got to keep pressing on and pressing through the pain and pressing through the difficulties until that time comes, and then sometimes we live—we leave this world, and we leave it with the, the pain. We leave it with a physical condition. It'd be nice just for if everybody could just lay down at night when it was time for them to go. Uh, home to be with the Lord and go to sleep and not wake up except in His presence, wake up in His presence. But that's not the case for most of us. We live in a fallen world, and the rain falls on the just and the unjust, and so we, we do have to deal with physical conditions. But I like the old song of years ago that said, if I never had a problem, I'd never know that God could solve them. I'd never know what faith in God could do. So through it all, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. Amen? Now, we're living in an age of epidemic anxiety, and these are fairly recent statistics that state anxiety disorders are the most common mental illness in the U.S., affecting some 40 million adults in the United United States age 18 and older, or 18.1% of the population every year. Anxiety disorders are highly treatable, yet out of all those people that are affected every year, only 36.9% of those suffering receive treatment. And you can imagine why they don't go to the doctor, because they have an anxiety disorder, because it deals with the uh, mental capacity. It deals with our minds. Uh, of those suffering, only 369 receive treatment, leaving 25,240,000 untreated. Much of our anxiety is associated with everyday problems. We take our worries to bed with us, we wake up with them, and we carry them around with us all day. Of course, that is not God's plan. That's not the way God wants us to live our life. He can settle our hearts and minds in such a way that we can live with the stresses of life, yet still experience His peace and joy. There is no way that we are going to be free from stress in life until the trumpet sounds and we go home. But as long as we're here in this world, there's stress everywhere you turn. We've got to learn how to handle stress before stress handles us. And um, we've just got to realize that it's, it's, it's not better today than it was 20 years ago, it's worse today than it was 20 years ago. There's more things to be stressed over, stressed out, or have anxiety over and about today than there was 20 years ago or 40 years ago. You know, people talk about the good old days. I can remember my parents always talking about the good old days. And you think, well, what was so good about having to read a book by an oil-burning lamp versus nice lighting? That wasn't so good. No, that's true. What was so good about the good old days uh, of having a car that might only go 30 miles an hour top speed? <laughs> now we can get in a jet and go 500 miles an hour, you know, and be in our destination real quick and not be wore out and tired. And they didn't take a lot of long trips back in those days either with those cars. So what's, what's so good about the, the good old days? Well, the, the biggest thing is, is that people were m- more laid back. They were more at ease with themselves and others. Had to be because there was a time they didn't lock their front or back doors. They weren't worried. Anx- anxiety wasn't in them about somebody breaking in in the middle of the night. Everybody had more peace, and uh, and things were just more laid back and more easy. And uh, not that they didn't have problems. Sure, they did. But not the kind of stresses we, we deal with today a lot. They didn't have the uh, terrorists. They didn't uh, coming to America and blowing up buildings and running people over. That was the thing we didn't think about till 9-11, especially in this country. Uh, so he can settle our hearts and give us that joy and that peace that we need. Anxiety is not just a contemporary problem of our day. It was also an issue of those who lived in the Old Testament times. In Psalms 37-8, where David is speaking in regard to God taking care of his own, he says this, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him fret not yourself or do not worry fret is another word for worry fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way over the man who carries out evil devices when Jesus came on the scene he addressed the issue of worry in his sermon Matthew 6 25 34 his solutions sound so simple, yet we still struggle to apply them. Anxiety is a condition in which the mind is being pulled in two directions. What are those two directions? Simply put, it is knowing we shouldn't worry, yet worrying. Okay? So over here, we've got a rope that says worry. And over here, we got a rope that says do not worry. being pulled in two different directions. In Jesus' sermon, he points out why we so often give in to worry and what we can do to change our response. Understanding that the fears bedded deep within mankind, Jesus starts his teaching with a bold command, then adds reasoning we can all grasp. We'll look at five causes for anxiety and the five cures that Jesus mentions in this, in this text. First of all, number one, are the feelings of inadequacy. And when you have feelings of inadequacy, in verse 26 of Matthew 6, Jesus says, look to the birds. Look to the birds. I told my wife tonight, I said, I'm going to come and I'm going to tell the people in Bible study to become bird watchers. That's what Jesus said. Look at verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Three things. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? You know, as being in music for all the years I've been in music, every time I'm in a message or a lesson and there may be a certain scripture or a certain thought that's in in the notes, a song will come to my mind. And while we were eating a little sandwich before church tonight, I was with my wife, an old Henson song came to my mind. And it talked about if he knows when the sparrow falls from its nest, and he grieves when he sees it die. And then it goes on and talks about how much more, if he sees that and he's concerned about that little sparrow, how much more does he love you and I? Oh, so much more. Problems can at times so overwhelm us that we feel insignificant and incapable of doing anything about them, and sometimes we can't. But Jesus advises us to look at the birds. They seem so small and so inconsequential, yet God takes upon himself the responsibility to feed them. We never see birds planting seeds or harvesting crops. They're totally inadequate for the task. They can't even handle and hold a hoe or shovel. If God cares so much for them, we can be certain that he'll be faithful to meet our needs as well. And secondly, is our attempt to change things we cannot control? And after this, I put in my notes, we need to allow God back into the pilot seat. You've seen that bumper sticker of years ago, God is my co-pilot. I'm thinking, no, that's not right. That can't be right. If God is second in command, if God is the co-pilot of your vessel, who's the pilot? Who's the one that's trying to be in charge? Me. You. We need to change that and let God back into the pilot seat let him be the pilot and we'll move over right verse 27 which of you being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life by worrying can we can we add any days months or years to our life by worrying no matter of fact the opposite can take place we can take years off of our life and cause there to be physical problems if we don't get anxiety or worry under control. Allow the Lord to help us with it. We can actually cause, see things happen physically that we would we want to happen. Jesus reminds us that many situations are beyond our ability to alter. Who of you being worried can add a single hour to his life? In King James it says a cubit or 18 inches to your stature, to your height. We can't do that either. There has been times I'd like to. I don't know why I'm so short you know I'm 5'8 now I used to be 5'9 but as I've gotten older I've shrunk an inch you know what I'm talking about right I can see the heads going like that but I used to be I used to want to be like 6 foot 6 foot 1 so when I played basketball I could slam dunk rather than just grab a hold of the bottom of the net you know it's not that I need to be that tall. I wanted to be that tall. But then I got to thinking, it doesn't matter. I'm not going to be an NBA anyhow, you know. And I loved to play basketball when I could. And uh, so I enjoyed being a guard and trying to shoot threes from outside. Whenever we encounter circumstances that we cannot change, the only wise option is to turn them over to the only one who can handle them and that's not by, uh, <laughs> like Dr. Hinckley said in our class last week, riding into Deer Abbey. Is she still around? Even, I don't know. It's by not. Uh, it's not by you know going to see a psychiatrist, um, psychologist, or anything like that. And not to take anything away from their education what they do, but if we turn these things over to God, He is the one that really knows how to handle the situations of our life. He made us. He created us. So, He knows us inside and out. He knows what makes us tick. When we try to control them, the things going on, are we saying, God, I just don't trust you enough to handle this? Are we saying, Lord, you move from the pilot seat to the co-pilot seat, and I'll be in the pilot seat. That could be kind of what we're saying, is I just don't trust you enough to handle this, thereby only multiplying the intensity of our pain and frustration. Thirdly, our failure to trust God to provide our needs. Then he asked us to consider the flowers, okay? Verse 28 through 31. Jesus said, why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field. Think about the flowers, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? And of course, this is not the only time Jesus uses those words, little faith, or you ye of little faith. It's in, in the New Testament several times in the Gospels there where he talks to his disciples and about being of little faith. He said, therefore, do not be anxious or worry, saying, what shall we eat? Here's these, these three key things again. What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? Don't worry about those things. Don't be anxious about those things. I can add a little humor here by saying that after church on Sunday morning, we'll go out with some people to eat. And unbearably, they'll come to me a lot of times and say, where do you want to go eat? I'm thinking, come on, can't you make that decision? You know? You haven't been up here preaching today. You didn't have to come up with a message today. Can't you just tell us where you'd like to go eat, and I'll just tag along. I'll just follow you. Well, that's not really what this is referring to, but it reminds me of that. What shall we eat? And we've we've actually spent 30 minutes sometimes figuring out, where are we going to go eat? Well, that's kind of like being, you know, all these restaurants in town, we just can't get it figured out. What shall we drink? What shall we wear? Oh, honey, does this look good? Does this combination look good? Well, it's not It's not so much about a combination here. It's about really there are people in the world that don't have good clothing or very little clothing. And shoes that are enclosed, no. They have no shoes at all or they're open-toed uh, shoes. And... Uh, whole different in a lot of places and those people and i've met some of them in foreign countries when we went on a missions trip they didn't seem to be so concerned or worried or anxious about not having the clothes we had or the shelter that the that we have here in america or the f- kind of food we have to eat here in america or the kind of shoes or clothes or whatever we, we were wearing they 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 were just If they were a Christian, they were just happy in the Lord. And they were glad to see people come from America and share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. And they'd come early to the crusade and leave late. And they didn't ride in nice cars. A lot of them gathered in cattle trucks just to get to the crusade. And they were happy on their journey. They weren't worried and weren't anxious. Then I know there's others over there in in foreign countries that are very much concerned, very much worried, uh, I should say, about things that are going on around them. And their lives, and a disease, and so on. Well, after explaining how the Lord clothes the lilies of the field with more glory even than Solomon, Jesus exhorts us not to worry about clothing because He'll provide whatever we need. When we worry that our needs won't be met, we demonstrate a lack of faith in God, and He could say to us, Oh, ye of little faith. Sometimes the situation may look like the Lord has let us down, but in reality, He is supplying a need that we may not even know we have. From time to time. When the Apostle Paul suffered so much mistreatment and hardship, Scripture never records him complaining about his circumstances, the shipwrecks, the beatings. These were not happy times for the Apostle Paul, but yet he endured them with inner peace and confidence because he knew and trusted the Lord. He knew and trusted the Lord. He didn't just have a head knowledge of God. He knew the Lord, just like we know the Lord in here tonight. uh, And we have confidence, and we trust in Him that He's going to see us through. He's going to provide whatever we need. May not always provide every want that we have, but He said He would provide our needs, right? He will provide our needs. And then the Scripture that says sometimes He'll even give us the desires of our heart. Well, He will, as long as those desires line up with his word, will, and wisdom. If we ask for things that don't line up with his word, will, and wisdom, and somehow we just keep praying and praying and praying and praying, bombarding and knocking on his door for these things, he may give us something that we later on don't want. In other words, put it like this, you may get what you want, but you may not want what you get if you leave God out, if you don't consider his word, will, and wisdom. In the situation. So, when we demonstrate faith in the Lord and have an attitude of gratitude, it says to God, I know you can and will do it again. Number four, misplaced priorities. Here we're going to talk about being be kingdom seekers, verses 30, 32 through 33. Instead of focusing on obtaining the necessities of life, Jesus tells us to seek first His kingdom and his righteousness, and A-double-L, all these things, somebody say things, will be added, say added, unto you. God's kingdom is his rule and authority over our lives. And his righteousness is Christ's character worked out in us in such a way that we reflect him, that our character reflects that character of Christ. That's what it means to be Christ like. Christ like. How many want to be Christ like? What's the rest of you want to be like? (laughs) When When we make it our top priority to acknowledge Him as our Lord and Savior, seeking to walk obediently in His ways, God promises to supply whatever else we need. He knows exactly what is best for us, as well as how and when to provide it last of all he talks about really trying to live tomorrow today trying to live tomorrow today you ever done that Hmm. verse 34 therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow Don't think about it. Don't worry about it. Remember what the word thought meant? Memario in the Greek, which meant to worry. So he could also say here, don't give thought or don't worry about tomorrow today. Don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. There's going to be enough worries in tomorrow when you get there. Sufficient for the day. Plenty for the day will be its own trouble. So, in other words, in this, number five, trying to live tomorrow today, we need to trust God because God is already there. Just like our God was in eternity past, God is in eternity future. Just like God was there yesterday, God is there tomorrow already before we get there. I don't know what that does to you, but that gives me a hope. That gives me a confidence, an assurance that God is already in my tomorrow, and so I can lay down tonight, and I don't have to take a bunch of sleeping pills to go to sleep. I can lay down tonight, whether I have pain in my body or not. I can lay down tonight, and I can say a prayer like you said a while ago. We need to say our prayers before we, before we go to sleep, you know, this coming weekend. Everybody said, fall back, turn the clock back. Pastor Paul did a good and He said, no, you're supposed to say your prayers. And so we can say our prayers, and we can just commit the night unto God and our tomorrow unto God and wake up in the morning ready to praise the Lord again and give him glory and thanks for life, for health, for strength. And even in the midst of the fact that maybe not everyone here has total and complete health yet, Are we not believing that God is able and that God will do it? I am not going to stop believing for my divine healing. And the reason I will not stop praying for my divine healing and asking others to join me is because I wouldn't be here today if when I was just but a young boy of five and six years old had God not have healed me of rheumatic fever, a heart murmur, bad joints and and fevers where I was up 104, 105, about to, to go out into a coma, and they would put me in ice at Memorial hospital to bring the fever down and I had godly parents that knew how to get a hold of the horns of the altar to get a hold of God and pray and they literally prayed their boy through to a divine healing I didn't get a miracle overnight but from the time they started praying until I was about 21 I went for a job at a railroad and and they, I had to take a test, and they had to check my heart out. And all all before this, I had, still had a heart murmur showing up. And the doctor listened, and he checked everything out. And I asked him, I said, "Do you hear anything wrong with my heart? Do I, do I have a heart murmur?" And he said, "No, sir, you do not." <laughs> God had already done some other work. He had already taken the leg aches away that I had almost every night of my life as a young boy, and I couldn't run and play and do things that others were doing, and the sore throats that I had, and the fevers that I had. He had begun to take all that away, and the last thing to leave was the heart murmur. Now, I'm here to tell you, when God heals my body in any form or fashion, I'm 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 ready to give him praise. I'm ready to give him glory in the house of God. I'm ready to tell somebody else what Jesus has done, and if he can do it for me, he can do it for them. I wouldn't be seeing out of this eye today if it hadn't been for the same Jesus Christ, the great physician who healed this eye from glaucoma. My sight was leaving me because of a baseball that hit me in the eye. But praise be unto God, I have about as good a sight in that eye today as I have in this eye. People, they've come too late to tell us, if you've ever been healed or touched of God, they've come too late to tell us that God doesn't still heal because he does heal. He does perform miracles. He's the miracle man. He's the miracle-working Jesus, and he's the healing Jesus. And if you have need of a healing in your body or you have need of anxiety, relief, and release, He's able to do it for you, too. And that's just a couple things that God has healed me of. My wife wouldn't be with me today if God hadn't healed her. You're saying, Pastor, you know, I've lost a dear loved one. I've I've lost a spouse. I've lost someone. Why didn't God heal them? That is the question that I've been asked a lot through the years of ministry. Why doesn't God heal everybody? And I don't have an answer for that. I'm I'm not God. God is sovereign. I am not. And I don't know why God doesn't heal every one of his people, every one of his children, everyone that loves him and serves him. But when you stop and think about it, you could look at it this way. He may not have healed them here, but as soon as they stepped over on gold, As soon as they stepped on gold, they were forever more healed. You say, well, God doesn't always answer prayer. Yes, He does. God either says yes, no, or wait a while. He always answers prayer. And you know where we spend most of our life as Christians? We spend a lot of it in the waiting stage. Our friend Big Mo wrote a song off of something my wife said when we pastored in Pekin. She just simply said this one night after church, after revival service. You know, she was talking to some, some young lady. She said, you know, it's not in our time, but it's in God's time, but in the meantime. In the meantime, we pray. In the meantime, we praise. In the meantime, we read our Bibles. In the meantime, we testify. We witness about the goodness of God. In the meantime, we do the things that Christians ought to do. And Mo heard that he overheard that statement, and he wrote a song, put it on a CD. Uh, in the meantime, so don't worry about tomorrow. don't Don't be thinking about tomorrow, because God's already there. That gives us assurance to, to know we don't have to worry about it. Instead of becoming anxious about our responsibilities and commitments today or tomorrow, we should turn our schedules over to God. Planning ahead is good, but sometimes. Our overloaded calendars lead to an overwhelming sense of time pressure. Jesus tells us, don't worry about tomorrow. It's going to take care of itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I know somebody, and we've known for a long time, that she keeps a calendar and she keeps a schedule for every minute detail of her and her family's life. You know, if we want them to do something or we need them to, she's got to check her calendar first, real thorough. I'm not against calendars. I've got one, and I need one. But I don't schedule every little detail. If we'll wake up each morning with our thoughts on the Lord, committing ourselves to do whatever he says, we'll be able to go through the day with peace and joy as we watch him work out these different things in our life. To overcome worry, we ought to adopt an attitude of joy and thankfulness. We ought to have an attitude of gratitude. Thanksgiving's coming up, but we don't have to wait till Thanksgiving to have an attitude of gratitude, do we? We need to have an attitude of gratitude all the time. Why? Because God is good and His mercy endures forever. He's a wonderful, wonderful Savior, a wonderful Lord. and He'll never leave us And he'll never forsake us. And he knows just how to help bring peace and joy and remove the anxiety or the worry that would have torment in our life. And it's not just enough you know, to say to somebody, okay, you know, you're you on some medication for this, or you're on some medication. Just trust God a little bit more. Just just have faith in God. It's not that people aren't trusting God or having faith in God. God is sovereign. and God does what He wants to, when He wants to, with whom He wants to, and how He wants to. That's just basically the layman's definition of being sovereign. So, does that mean that our prayers don't count? No, our prayers count. That doesn't mean we stop praying. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't pray, because prayer does change things, but more importantly, prayer changes us. Amen? Prayer changes me. Last in closing, I want to leave six questions with you. What kinds of situations or issues cause you to worry or feel anxious? Think about that later. Just kind of answer these on your own. Secondly, Do you tend to worry more about what's happening now or what could happen in the future? (laughs) Like the little humorous thing we started out with tonight. The woman was so afraid of a burglar being in the house. And so one night, sure enough, there was a noise. The husband goes downstairs. There's the burglar. And he says, so good to meet you. Would you come upstairs and meet my wife? She's been waiting for you for 10 years. Thirdly, review the five causes of anxiety that were in the Scripture and, of course, the five cures uh, that's in this sermon. And which of them do you struggle with the most as far as the five causes of anxiety? Which do you struggle with the most? Next, uh, how can you apply Jesus' recommendations for overcoming habitual worry? Number five, what are the physical, emotional, and spiritual consequences of continually carrying a load of anxiety. And remember, God didn't make us to carry that load, casting all of our care upon him because he cares for us. Number six, what changes do you need to make in your thought patterns, activities, and prayers in order to be free from worry? Would you stand tonight? In closing, I would just like to pray for you. And you can pray uh, for the one next to you or maybe it's for yourself. It's okay to pray for yourself. We need to pray for ourselves. Um, But I want to pray for you. I want to pray for this congregation here tonight that if anybody is struggling with anxiety uh, caused by whatever, that God will help you and that God will heal you and that you'll be able to walk daily daily in his peace and joy let's bow our hearts heavenly father tonight i thank you that you know the beginning from the end and everything in between that you are the alpha the omega the beginning and the end there's not anything that will come against us even by a way of an attack from our enemy the devil There will not be anything like that come against us that hasn't been filtered through your hands first, filtered through the Father's hands. And you know how much we can handle. You know how much we can bear, even though sometimes we begin to ask, really, God, do you know how much I can bear? But you do. And you said with with every test, with every trial, you would make a way of escape that we might be able to bear it. And so I pray tonight, God, for this congregation and if there's any having struggles with anxiety or worry, fear, depression, there's all these kinds of things that can be involved in in this arena of anxiety, but not all the time. Not everybody that's anxious is depressed and not everybody that's uh, anxious is afraid and afraid of their own shadow or whatever else with the anxiety that I had and have and do with from chronic pain. I'm not afraid, and and I'm not worried and and, and fretful like that. It's just an inner uh, nervousness. But whatever the situation might be with your people tonight, I just ask God that you would reach down and touch them. Touch them now. Touch them on their way home. Touch them when they sleep tonight. Help them to be able to go to bed this evening and get a restful night's sleep, not worrying about tomorrow because you're already there anyhow and that you're going to take care of all things if we will commit all things to you. And for this, we'll give you all the praise, the glory, and the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you tonight.